Welcome to episode five of Hooper's Delight with Coach AJ, EBC, and Coach Key, Adversity Athletes. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the roles which players can play, being the man and being the go-to guy, as well as the roles that they can play if they're not um, selected to be that position. So that's what we'll be speaking about today. Let's start real quick, though, because I'm loving the fit. Tell me a little bit about the flame game here with the VC jersey. Got the throwback. We got my boy. Dre, unknown play. We got his exclusive mesh shorts that was in the summer collection, the summer drop. We got the Jordan 7s on Ooh. right here. So, you know, coordinate the purples and the, you know, the white, black, and gray. Always so, looking good, bro. It's a little dapper I, up. I threw on some Kobe's, always. Shout out. Not the Mamba. One of the goats. And then, of course, you know, white chocolate, Miami days, NBA champion. You know, just trying to be like you, bro. Trying to look good, feel Elbow good. Elbow pass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's jump in it, man. So, uh, yeah, we're going to touch on roles. Roles one through – what we kind of talked about one through five last week. You know, what, what is expected traditionally uh, when it was more position-based basketball then it turned more positionless. Um, but today we're going to dive a little bit more deeper into what it looks like if you're the dude at each position, just the dude in general, and then – if you're not the guy, not the go-to guy, not the number one option, what it what it should look like at different positions. So start us off since you are known to be a dude. You were one of the dudes growing up. You were a player of the year in college and yep. almost national player of the year, runner-up, correct? Yep, runner-up. So yep. you know all about this life. I, I was I was um, always a guy that had the ball in his hands, but I was never like the number one scoring option. When I was a little kid, I was, but not, not uh, into high school and college. So talk about what that looks like. Educate us, my friend. Alrighty. So the first thing I'll talk about when it comes to being the, the guy or being the main option is sacrifice. And it's not just on the floor. It comes with what are you doing in your off season and what you're doing with your training. So first and foremost, I would say for the guys that want to be the guy or want to step into that role, are you okay with being blank for everything going bad? Are you going to be a good teammate when everything's going good and you're playing really well and you give every you know all the love to your teammates are you going to be able to in a timeout tell your coach don't worry about it i got it um and so those are things that i feel like the go-to guy has to embody and then the work ethic it doesn't just come with going to the gym it's how many hours how many reps how many makes are you lifting are you getting proper sleep are you counting your your macros so like the way that i did it is I tracked my macros, so that's my macronutrients, so I knew exactly how many protein, uh, how many grams of protein I was eating, carbs, calories, fats. Um, I, I started doing that when I was in high school, and so my diet was a little bit different. I was dieting, um, I was sleeping, but I was also working. And the one thing that I sacrificed the most was sleep, which is very valuable. So um, I will say that is something for me that I think is the most valuable in your growth, in your development, as far as maturing your body. Um, but I didn't sleep much because I was too busy focused on trying to put in work. So, um, and then your work ethic, how much are you in the gym? How many shots are you making a day? And are you complacent? For me, I think that complacency is the worst place you can be in. And in order to be the guy, you can never be complacent because your numbers are gonna fluctuate depending on what the team asks of you. You can be the guy without scoring the most points. And I wanna be very clear, you can be the guy without scoring the most points. You have the most impact on the game. Are you guarding the other team's best player? Are you setting the tone from a vocal leadership standpoint? Are you talking to your teammate and amongst your teammates? Are you liked? Are you not liked by your teammates and by your coach? Are you coachable? Which I think is in order for the go-to guy to be, you have to be coachable, but you also have to have a, I don't know if it's a skill or a mindset, but of a, 
I got this. And, and you got to trust yourself and have the utmost confidence in, in your abilities. And confidence comes through the work that you're going to put in. So um, for me, how my, my work ethic goes is, you know, I wake up at 5, and typically I would go do my ball handling or do my weightlifting in the morning. I would do conditioning, and I'd get up at least 500 makes. And then I would go to school, go to class, and then before practice, I would go get another 500 makes in, get into the training room before practice, about 30, 45 minutes, then go to practice, get into practice, then after stay, get some extra conditioning in, extra shots in, go back home, and then go back to the gym later that night. Um, just so I could be prepared for the type of physical shape I needed to be in to play all four quarters or to play both halves and play every minute of every game. So um, it came with a lot. It was a lot of sacrifice. I went to one prom. My freshman year, I went to a prom. Uh, I went to prom. And then my senior year, I went for the last 10 minutes because I was actually working out. And so I showed up late and I had no date. So um, those were the only times I went to prom. I went to one homecoming. That was my senior year. And that was after I worked out for four hours. So um, it's a little different. you got to sacrifice certain things. And on top of that, you know, are you going to do it consistently? It's easy to say you want to be the guy, but how consistent are you? And the work follows every single day. It can't just be a pick and choose. And most of the time, the days that I felt like not going is the days I went harder. And I knew that I was going to get the, I was going to get the most out of it if I was to push through the fatigue and, and the, the lack of motivation because I remembered my goals. And so whatever you set out to do is going to come with a sacrifice. And so being the guy is one of those things. Um, my first year of college, I was you know, fortunate to have a great coach, the most winningest coach in California's UCO history. And he taught me a lot about being selfless. I was very selfish coming out of high school because I was player of the year in 4A. Um, I led my team in scoring in every statistical category. But I was big on myself. And I wanted to go Division I. So I went to junior college. I was already disappointed. And I thought I was 10 times better than everybody. And I had a, a wake-up call and a reality check. I wasn't at that level that I thought I was. And, um, it required me to, to work even harder than I thought I was going before. And then on top of that, understanding that what my team needed, I was the most valuable player. But in order for my first year for that team to win, I wasn't supposed to be the most the leading scorer. I could create my shot, and I could create shots for others. and Nobody else could play make. So I had to be able to be that guy to say, you know what? I'm not going to score 20 a game. I'm going to have to go to 10. And I'm going to have to get five assists. I'm going to have to get eight rebounds. And i got to be the best in shape and best defender on this team, guard every team's best player, and try to hold them to half of their average. And so I had to make that sacrifice. I was still the guy, but as far as a point standpoint, I had to take that back seat because that was what was best for the team to win. So um, a lot of guys don't really realize all the things that it takes to be that guy. Are you going and getting up extra shots after practice? Are you going after a career high day? Are you going back to the gym? For me, my senior year, I had 39 points in a game, um, and that was my career high for college. That night, I was in the gym from 12 to 2, and I made 1,000 threes that night um, just because I didn't want to be complacent. I knew that if I went back after my best game of my college career, that it showed my commitment to it because it didn't matter that I did good. I was going back regardless, and that was, that's kind of what I did my entire career. So um, it comes with a lot. Are you ready to be guarded by a double team? Are you ready to be guarded by maybe a triple team? I had a game where um, I got picked up full court got a second guy at half court, and then got a third guy at the three-point line. And the whole goal of the game was to stop me. I ended up shooting eight attempts, and I got held to, I think, six points, and we got beat by 20. And I was complaining, yelling at coach, being a bad teammate, being selfish. I was worried about getting mine, and my coach sat me down and said, shut up, watch the game, and see how you can break this next time. Today is not your day. 
And, you know, and that was a very humbling experience. But I was able to receive that coaching, and it, was, it wasn't that nice how they said it. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but I was able to, you know, swallow my pride and put forth the team. And so uh, the very next time we played that team, I ended up having 29-9. and nine. And it was a completely different look of the game. I started off creating for everybody else. And then as, you know, the windows of opportunity opened up for me, I took advantage of those. So um, a lot of guys don't really understand getting double teams is not fun. It's not fun at all how they, how they clog the paint. In high school, there's no defense three in the key, so everybody can just sit in the paint. And the state of Idaho is a state where predominantly most defenders are taking charges. And this is their favorite call, uh, how the officials call it. So in order for you to get to the basket, and my game was a slasher, it was a lot harder for me because – my three ball wasn't consistent. And so for me, in order for me to attack, I had to attack the basket. But I got guys falling all over the place all the time. You know, you get two fouls in the first quarter, the first half, you're sitting. And so, you know, people are game planning to stop you. They know your tendencies, how much you want to go right, how much you want to go left. Is your step back to the left the same as to the right? Is your pump fake three good? Or is your catch or shoot three good? Are you an off the dribble guy? Everything is game plan around you. Are you ready for that? And are you going to show up night in and night out? Are you just worried about scoring? And so what it takes with all of that is how much are you willing to commit to this, you know? And so um, I think that the main thing to be the go-to guy is, one, are you coachable? Do you understand the game? Are you watching film? And are you seeing areas where you can attack and where you can improve your team and get shots for your teammates? So um, that, takes a lot of, that takes a lot of going to the gym, watching film, and being honest with yourself. I feel like a lot of times as players, we become delusional, and we get to a point where we're so full of ourselves that we're not real with ourselves. And I can score on anybody. I can do this. I can do that. But just because you can be a scorer or score on anybody doesn't mean that that's the right shot. Me shooting a fadeaway turnaround on three guys might not be the right shot. In some cases, it might be the right shot. But, you know, I've put in the reps and, and been in the gym for hours to make that shot. So when I shoot it, my coach has enough confidence in me because they've seen the work that I put in. But if I'm not confident in that shot and I got a 42% three-point shooter in the corner and I'm shooting my... My turnaround over three guys, it's a bad shot. I got to hit that guy in the corner, regardless if he averages three points a game or he averages 12. doesn't matter. If he's shooting 42 from three, you got to kick it to that guy. So being the guy comes with a lot of responsibility, and, you know, you have to be the hardest, hardest worker on the team. In conditioning, when you start the preseason or you're in the offseason, when you're doing suicides or you're doing line drills, are you first? It does matter because you're setting the tone for your team. If you're, if you're the guy, you want to begin first. Whether you're the fastest or not, you better be going the hardest. So let's talk. So you're saying some things that I've heard Kobe Bryant talk about. I've heard LeBron James talk about, and a few of the things you said. First, I'm I'm going to touch on guys like Giannis who go for 50, but then they stay after the game, even on the road, and they get their free throws up because they were 10 for 16 from the line, even though they had 50. He gets out there after he just played, you know, 40 minutes, and gets back to the line, and he's working at it. That's and and they show the, that on Sports Center. You see it on social media with stuff like that. Guys putting in work after the game, three hours before the game. They go through a full hour and a half workout with their trainer, yep. and and then they play in a you know high octane, you know high performance based you know NBA basketball game, right. and then they go after. Right. And a lot of these kids today especially out here in Idaho, uh, you know, just kids in general, this generation is, hey, I got, I got practice today. That's, that's what I'm doing today. I got practice, so I'm going to get better. And it's a team-based practice, so there's not a lot of individual work. So what you're saying, and I hope everyone is listening, is that that's not it. That is the tip of the iceberg. You've got to, you're talking about waking up, your mind's on it, you're doing something to get better. 
go to school. I remember I used to, so I, I, I would wake up, I'd get to school early. Pops would take me to school early um, in high school and I'd get up shots 30 minutes before school. And then at lunch, I'm in the gym with my boy getting shots up, my wingman. And then after school, uh, before practice, we got 30 minutes, we're getting in work. We're, we're getting warmed up for practice and then go home that night. I had a hoop at the house and, and, and I'd get up 100 makes. And so for me, I was thinking about it all day, every day, instead of, you know, going and, and cupcaking at lunch or just chilling at lunch, I'm in the gym. I'm eating my lunch on the way to the gym. And if I don't finish, I'll finish it in class after. And so a lot of kids, I don't see a lot of kids doing that these days. You know, a lot of schools don't even let you go in the gym these right. days, right? right? Which is a big problem. And I'm, I'm not going to touch on that. But, but, and then I'm going to touch on what you said about, you know, sometimes the right shot is the turnaround fade away with three guys on you. Um, Kobe Bryant said when asked, hey, like, why did you take that tough shot when you had a better shot over here to win the game? And Kobe's response, which was is one of my favorite quotes ever, was, I know the guy, every guy around me's worth, work ethic, and I know my work ethic. I know when I'm there. I know how much work I'm putting in. I, I know my self-belief, my confidence. I'm taking the shot. I'm putting it on my shoulders because I'm him. Right. I know that this guy doesn't show up until practice starts, and he's the first one gone. Right. Why would I, why would I put the game in his hands? So I remember Kobe, and I remember being you know, anti-Kobe when I was like, man, he could be averaging 15 assists instead of being more of a volume score, a special volume score. That's why it was hard for me as a pass-first point guard to really fall in line with, like I've said before, Westbrook and Kobe and, and guys like that. But hearing Kobe say that gave me a whole different, you know, understanding and way to look at it where I'm putting in the work. I'm the guy that is living in the gym. I'm, I'm taking that shot. I'm putting it on me because, right. you know, he has an understanding of everybody around him and, 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 and their work ethic. And, and that type of stuff is special. And that's that Mamba mentality. That's that right. different mindset that he right. talks about and, and a, just a different level of understanding. So I just I hope everyone that's listening to this, if, if, if you're a hooper, you understand that what it takes to be a guy like I'm going to throw some names out there. We're in Idaho. So we'll throw out some names that are familiar. Like Liam Campbell. Right. OK. How he lives it. We yeah. know he's living it. Yep. You got a guy like Liam Campbell. Uh, Alex Coe for his team puts right. in extra work. You know, he, he does what he needs to do to be the guy for Timberline. Um, guys like that. I mean, I, I could throw out 100. Case, why not? Oh. Case, why not's the guy? He's 75 points away from the all-time, you know, state scoring record out here. And he's got whatever. He's got 15 games left. He's going to do it in the next. He might do it next game and drop 75. He just had 57, 13, and 11. And he was in the gym the next day in the morning. And he, yeah, and the next morning he was in the gym, uh, if not after the game that night. Like, and so a lot, a lot of people, parents, kids. You know, I was at a high school game last night. And there were parents in the crowd. Get my son the ball. What are you doing? That's a bad shot. You know, it's everybody else's fault. But then when you really want to talk about it and look at it and listening to you talk, like let's put all of what you just said up against all of these kids' work ethics. Just let's be honest. And you know, because you train most of them, how many guys out here are you seeing living that life that you just ran us through for the last couple minutes? We, I mean, we could say you work out with guys like Liam Campbell. A yeah. Logan Host fight is a guy that has that hunger that has been with you at 5.30 a.m. for the last couple days and, and is all over you about it. Right. He's making you better, right? right? So uh, how many guys would you say, I just named a couple, why not 
Campbell, Hostvite, those type of guys. How many guys are living that life, you think? Um, well, I know the guys that have been around me, um, especially for these last couple of years, they have, they have no choice. Because the expectation and the standard is never going to change. And so when it comes into having trainers, which I know a lot of people have this misconception of how trainers are and that we all teach bad habits and we're trying to make every single player that we train the guy, when that's not my philosophy that I believe in, everybody can be a star in their role. Um, and so I train guys differently. Now when I have a team setting or a group situation, the basics, the fundamentals of which is what we need and what we lack is what I teach. I teach you to be good with your right and left hand, regardless of which one you're dominant with. I teach you the ability, well, I put you through situations where you're doing conditioning shooting, where you're tired and exhausted. Can you still shoot the ball? Are you ready for the fourth quarter when it comes? Uh, not only that, defense. There's not many trainers that train defense. I, te I teach defense um, and things like that. I teach communication, those aspects of the game that now are forgotten. And so um, I do have quite a few. I can't name them all, but there is, there is quite a few. I'll give a, a special shout out to a guy that had a, another double-double. This is the start of the season, Jay Curtis, who want to talk about worth ethic. I'll just give a quick story about this kid. This kid last year, he was a junior on JV, and there was a day that he came into the gym and he wasn't himself. I could see his confidence was gone. He was kind of at a, at a place where he, I, didn't, I was questioning if he loved it or not, and we had a real man-to-man -man conversation. I, I got in this space, gave him some very um, choice words that, to uplift him, but not only that, I built a relationship with him where he could understand exactly where I was coming from. I said, you got to make a decision today that is, is this what you really want? And I said, and it's not going to be what you think it is. You're not going to be the guy shooting off the dribble every single time trying to get your own shot, and, th and that's going to get you where you want to go. I said, if you really want to change your situation, can you be the best rebounder on your team? Can you be one of the loudest and most vocal people? Are you going to be the hardest worker? And what else are you willing to sacrifice for the team? Are you willing to do that? That's, and we watched him at the very start of the year, and I turned to you knowing that he's a guy that you've worked with, not knowing that, but turned to you and I was like, this kid is going to make a difference on this team this year because we knew about Cheryl, we knew about Thompson, we knew about McBride, we know Hostvite's gone, so how are they going to bring it together? What other pieces do they have? That little point guard that you trained. Uh, yeah, he, he, he impressed me too. And then Curtis was, was player to game right. uh, against Meridian, a game they should have probably won, and Meridian has a chance to be a state championship team this year. And so that was super impressive. And I've definitely seen the difference in the growth in that now that you say that, because he, he's a different player than he was. Right. And he's impacting that team. And that team is going to have a chance to get to the state tournament when yeah. nobody thought yeah. they were after losing And that's their all of those, those guys, that, that group. I have eight kids on the varsity. I have a bunch of the JV guys and the younger guys. Those guys, they work. They yeah. work. And all they need is to be unleashed. Yeah. And when you have, a, when you have confidence it's crazy how far it can take you. And so, you know, I, one thing that I do believe with players and when it comes to development and when it comes to coaching, and granted, I'm not coaching, but how I like to be coached is I like to be free. And I, I wanted it to be okay to make a mistake because I was going to get it back. Yeah. If I turned the ball over, you bet I was going to try to get a steal. I was going to try to get a deflection. I was going to try to take a charge. I was trying to do something. I was going to get a rebound, something. So being unleashed, I'd rather have 10 savages unleashed than only having two. And so I yeah. think that a lot of times no. we don't get to really see the capability of these players because they're in a situation where they're designed. I don't know if the, the coach designs their role to be this, but they are put in a spot where they can't be as effective as they can because they are limited to what they can do mm -hmm. and where the coach can believe in them. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times I have to tell these guys, you can't sit here and complain about the situation that you're in 
All you can control is yourself. And if you're constantly pointing the finger at coach isn't letting me do this or, or uh, my school isn't this or this guy doesn't pass me the ball, anybody, it's easy to point the finger. It's easy to sit there and it be everybody else's fault, but what are you doing? Are you, going in, are you going to get in first in every single sprint? Are you winning all the shooting drills in practice? Are you going the hardest in the ball handling? Are you winning the sprints? Are you going and you're diving on the floor? Are you yeah. taking those chances? Are you giving up the most effort? Are you doing that? Yeah. And it's not just within the practice, right? We look at, we got, like I hear all the time, well, we had practice day, it was two hours. Okay, well, what else did you do? Well, we had practice, we had a team shoot around. Okay, that was required. Yeah. What did you do that was not required? Did you go get an hour work, workout with me? Did you go get an hour by yourself? Did you make 1,000? Did you make 500? Did you do something else that wasn't required of you? Because if you're doing what everybody else is doing, how can you complain about being where everybody else is at? Yeah. You have to give forth the effort to put yourself in a better situation instead of complaining. We all could point the finger. Yeah. You know? And so when I look at these guys and, and I, want, you know, I want more guys to become the dude, but you have to be a star in your role. And that's part of you know, what this episode is about is can you be okay with not being the guy? Can you still impact the game? Do you still have confidence when you go out there? Are you going to pass up open threes? Because a lot of times, this is what I hear, why well, didn't get any shots? Well, you also didn't look at the hoop. So the four times that you did get it with the ability to shoot it, or the opportunity to shoot it, you didn't even look. Yeah. And now you're saying, well, you weren't in the position, and, and it's, it's, again, pointing. No, you didn't believe in yourself enough to take that shot. Yeah. And you're complaining. Did you yeah. get in the gym? Did you, did you make 1,000 shots? Because if you're in the gym every single day and you're taking those shots, those same shots, are you watching film to know where you get the ball at so when that opportunity comes again that you seize the moment? Are you, are you that engaged? Does it mean that much to you? Don't, don't tell me. Talk is nice. Talk is cheap. Yeah. Show me. Yeah. I don't want to go to games and sit here and go on Instagram and see all these highlights and these edits and you look great. And then I look at the box score and you didn't do anything. You got 19 minutes. And then you're complaining about, oh, I should play more. How? You didn't do anything. Yeah. I, it's not, my eyes are not going to lie to me. I need to see you do yeah. something. Gino, Gino Ariyama, maybe the GOAT for girls' college basketball, probably, along with maybe Pat Summit and yeah. Kara Vanderveer and them, Kim Mulkey. But Gino came out and said, I'm so sick and tired of everybody acting like, like the one person that scores all the points is like the only person that matters. He's like, and he talked about being a star in your role. Go look it up on Instagram. Gino Ariyama talks about... If you can be a star in your role, that's when there's greatness. That's when teams are great. That's, that's when, you know, instead of being a 19 points a game with two assists and two rebounds on a team that's not very good, like you said that you had to do back in the day, you had to, you had to cut it back, and then you were maybe 12 points a game with six assists and six rebounds, guarding the team's best player on a very successful team. Coaches want that. Right. They want winners. They want how can you impact the game you know, how can you impact winning in different ways? And then Bradley Beal has a clip that's floating around there on Instagram where he's telling his guys on his club, you guys think that you're all going to be like me in college? You're all going to average 21 a game in college? It's like guys like myself are so extremely rare. He goes, none of you are going to go to the Division One level and average 21 a game. He goes, but you all will have an opportunity if you learn how to star in this way or this way right. or this role or this role. Right. And so uh, that's the thing is all these kids that are like D1 or bust or, or you know, whatever. It's like, I, so I got to score 20 a game. No, no, you don't. You can be, you can be. 10, 8, 5, and, and above average defender, and coaches are going to look at you if you're on a team that's winning. Right. And so... I was that guy. Yeah. I was that guy. I was the guy that was D1 or bust, and I missed out on opportunities mm -hmm. to get my education 
I went to school, college for five years. I could have had all four or five years paid for had I been humble enough to sit there and say, you know what, I need to play this role. I need to. Back then, everything was about dunking. Guy watching guys like Vince yeah. Carter, you're seeing windmills, 360s. That's all I cared about. You've seen MJ, Kobe dunking and shooting fadeaways. That's what I did. But then as the game has changed and the three-pointer became more significant and more impactful and more meaningful, I, didn't, I, I was late to the game. I didn't start shooting the three-ball at a high percentage until my senior year of college. Had I done that in my first year in high school, my career would have been totally different. That was yeah. my knock. Can yeah. he shoot? I could shoot mid-range. Yeah. But when it was open on the three, these guys are playing 10 feet off me, and I'm not shooting it. So I, in my head, I'm like, I can get to the basket. I can get to the mid-range. Now I'm shooting a forced contested shot instead of the wide open one right there in front of my face. So um, that, that in itself, the game has changed. If you can't shoot the ball right now at a high clip, you're in trouble. It doesn't matter how many dribble combinations you got. It yeah. kills me to see guys take 45 dribbles. Nobody wants to play with that. Nobody. I want to sit there. Can you do one and three dribbles? Yeah. Can you do something with one? Can you do something with two? Can you do something with three? If not, move it. Yeah. And you got 0.5 seconds to make a decision. So yeah. Catch it. Yeah. Are you going to swing it? Or are you going to attack? Are you going to shoot? 100%. And those are things that you have to play like. And that's what the coaches are looking at. They're not looking at you going four of 18. Yeah. They don't want that. Yeah. They can find it. Everybody wants to do that. They can find those. They're yeah. not looking for those. They're looking for the guys that make sacrifices. A guy like a Cam Downey that'll yeah. pick up full court and be a dog, just be tough. And he might get two or three shots a game. Mm-hmm. But he's gonna, he, he lives for it. He goes and yeah. competes in it. Um, like a Taj Gibson yeah. is who you compare a guy like that to. Energy right. guy, good teammate, you know, will, will play above average defense on, do whatever you ask him to do. Right. And then if he has opportunities to get high percentage looks, he'll take them. And you can trust him in, right. those, in, in, those, in those positions. You touched on Taj and, and guys like that last week. I, I do want to give you a shout-out because we, we, we've been hooping a little bit lately, and, and you can shoot the ball from the three. Oh, yeah, now, you, you, now. A couple ga- Especially when it comes to the game winners, we, yeah, we, 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 we are looking for you. But we played the other day, and we got five guys together, and we all had a decent feel of each other's games. And it, we were successful playing together pickup because right. we all kind of understood our role. Right. Okay, we need a bucket. We got key. If we have a mismatch, we go to key. You know, we uh, Dell was there. Right. Dell was lobs. yeah. Dell catching lobs, getting rebounds. He knew exactly what his job was. Right. We had the little lefty that goes to Baylor. Yep. Shout out Ray J. Dennis. He yep. he gonna give your boy Ray J. a shout out. Right. Uh, speaking of being the dude, Ray right. J. Dennis, that type of guy. Right. But um, but yeah. So he came out and he knew. Hey, catch and shoot the three ball or attack and kick. I was looking for guys. I was finding guys. Right. I, you know, so we, we had a nice squad. Everybody understood their role. Everybody was uh, uh, playing well in their role, and we, we, we were balling. Right. We were balling. And we trusted each other. You yeah. know, we, a couple missed shots and still kept going back. And that's one thing that – and there's not, not just Cam that, that does – that makes the sacrifice and, and plays his role, but there's other players at different schools um, where they have more of a, a, a scoring role right off the bench. There's some guys that come in the game, like Steve from Boise, mm-hmm. that could come in, you know, he could start, he can come off the bench, he can give you 20 off the bench. And so, you know, there's certain players that, depending on what the coach sees in that guy, may have the opportunity to go out there and score. Or you might have to have a guy like Fisher Okamika who can go and face guard somebody, and that's all that coach asks him to do. Yeah. And so, and I'm, granted, these are my guys, I'm a little biased towards them, but I see the sacrifices that some of these players are making, and it's not just my guys. It's guys that other people train and, and other teams and people that I don't know, but I've seen them play that are willing to do these roles for the betterment of the team. Okay. And some, sometimes I feel like we don't highlight those guys enough. A guy like a Jace Allen, a guy like a, a Russell Gibson that, that can pass. Yes, he scores, but he can pass and he makes people around him better. Um, a guy like Hudson Van Alphen that can shoot it at, over there at Eagle. 
Um, and, you know, there's many more. You can go down the list of Middleton guys that you were talking about, Sam Kofit that comes in as a brute and just plays strong and drives to the basket and plays hard. So, you know, each team has a different set of players that, you know, can, can play a role and can be impactful in those roles. However, my thing is that when you get out there, just because you have a, role, a certain designated role doesn't mean that you're not allowed to shoot. Yeah. And a lot of times we get confusion on when coach says, hey, I need you to just guard this guy. I don't care about nothing else. That doesn't mean you're th- yeah. don't don't shoot it when you're wide open. Yeah. That doesn't mean that when you catch it because you're a playmaker just to swing mm-hmm. it. If you have open shot, take it. And if you work on that, they're gonna trust in your work, and then you can shoot the step mm-hmm. back shot. But if they've never seen you work on a step back shot, why would they trust yeah. you? You know, yeah. and that's you know something when it comes to this development. I look at guys and and I try to work on their offhand as much as I can. Where some coaches they have a philosophy of just go with your dominant hand. The levels I played at. Depending on situation, if you go with your dominant hand on the, uh, on the left side, it's going to get pinned off the glass. Somebody's going to catch it. You're going to be on ESPN. That's not a good shot. Yeah. You shielding off with your, with your dominant hand and then finishing with your left is what's the shot. Yeah. Whether you miss it or not, that's the correct shot. This right here, yeah. you get padded. So, you know, it, it just depends on, on situations and stuff like that. But, you know, being a star in your role, is, it, it comes down to a sacrifice. If you look at a guy like Drew Holiday, he had an interview, and they were like, Drew, you're used to – scoring at least 20 points a game and, and having more shots. And he said, well, I have Jalen Brown. I have Jason Tatum. I have Derek White that's playing at an all-star level, averaging 17 a game. I have Kate, uh, uh, Porzingis, Porzingis yeah. that's dominating and playing. At this, uh, for this particular team, that's not required of me. I'm to guard. I'm to lead. And I'm to lead by example and vocally. And I'm going to do that because look at our record. That has something to do with why we're in this position. And that's why that's a championship team. And, Exactly right. And that's a guy that's been an NBA All-Star. That's a guy that's been a first-team All-Defensive guy. That's a guy who is, in my opinion, is probably one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated guy in the NBA. Every year. And if he can sit there and say that and swallow his pride and say, you know what, I got to get these two the ball. This guy's having a great year himself. And then this stretch four is out here killing everybody. I can take the backseat yeah. as long as we're winning the game. So question for you. You mentioned something a little bit uh, earlier about coaching and then about you know responding correctly we are both faith-based guys as well right we pray at the end of every episode uh, and this is something on another podcast i do it's called the present life podcast we, we we touch on faith and stuff and we talked about it last episode about how you have no control about really what happens like actually what happens in this life the only control you have is how you respond to the things that take place a missed shot right starting on the bench, coming in off the bench. Like, how are you going to respond? Are you going to, there's only two answers here. You can respond correctly or incorrectly. Correctly has a list of things that that looks like with selflessness and all those different types of things. Incorrectly, selfishness and all those things. I could go on about it. If you want to hear the list, go watch the Present Life podcast. But but that's a great point. And then you touched on coaching. And I want to do an episode on coaching. And obviously, we're going to have to be very careful. But and I, and I mentioned it to you before, and you're like, we're going to have to talk about that before we do that episode. But you, you, you made a good point about how there's a lot of coaches that don't communicate well enough with their kids on what their role is fully. You can't be like, like you said, hey, I want you to go play defense. That's all I care about. You have to try and understand how that message is coming across. Each kid perceives differently. Right. They learn differently. They hear differently based on life experiences and, right. and, and all of those different things. And so when coaches 
relay these messages. I don't think there's enough coaches doing a good enough job, nearly enough coaches doing nearly a good enough job in helping kids understand this is who you are on this team for us to be the most successful. Here's my vision. Not every coach is going to have an understanding well enough to, to make a team successful and they may have the wrong understanding of a kid's skill set or because of their IQ or whatever, but the communication and the understanding and being on the same page and the relationship aspect of it for me, which is more of a new school type of coaching, the old school is shut up, get in line, do what you're told. Yeah. And if you miss a shot, you're coming out the game. If you right. take a shot, I don't like you're coming out the game. And like I said, this is this is for a different episode and we can dive into coaching, what the different styles of coaching are, the different levels of communication and types of communication. But it's very frustrating at the Idaho high school basketball level for me to look at a lot of these kids who we've known for years and as they have progressed start to lose love for the game because they don't understand they're just living in confusion a spirit of confusion where they they're just like and they it's just it's chaotic for them in their mind and these kids are just they're sweet enough kids to where they're not going to go up to coach you know the person in charge and be like, you need to lay it out for me. You need to keep it 100 for me. What's your your view? Because a lot of these coaches are just going to say what kids want to hear, what parents want to hear, because they don't want to deal with it, right. right? And we see a lot of that happening, and a lot of kids losing the love for the game, like I said, and it's very frustrating for me. And I've said this before, and, and I'm not trying to hurt feelings or anything like that, but from a communication standpoint, a lot of bad coaches all over the world. All over from like for me, athletics is a tool to build relationships because life is about relationships and affecting people in a positive way and being a bright light in people's lives. And I'm going to implement like that's that's what we believe our faith is as well. You you are called to train. You should be getting paid to play basketball right now, but but you have been called. Okay, based on your faith, you have been called to affect lives in a positive way and love kids and show kids the light through your training, right. through this beautiful game, right? right? Me, me, I, what I felt about my media stuff. I started the media stuff. I try to affect kids that way. Right. Um, and, you know, through, through being a real estate agent, like I love the interaction with the people and, try, and helping people make life decisions that could change their life, right. you know? And so we all have, have a different view on that. But um, when it comes to coaching, it's been really difficult for me uh, based on how I view things, you know, so relationally and whatnot, to see these kids just not connecting with their coaches on, on a personal level because I think that's what coaching is. Right. It's a mentorship. It's helping kids. It's, it's, it's imparting just positivity and love and all those type of things using the game of basketball. Um, that's what a coach's job is. And I'm not seeing a ton of it. Right. I'm seeing coaches out there coaching and getting a paycheck and and sometimes they make it more about it's more about them and how they look and their status and there's certain things going on out here right now with Hawaii high school with how Hawaii's changing the game with their uh, holiday tournament which was episode one for us and how they've got three division one kids on their team right now and they're bringing in more and they're the place to be everyone who wants to be a hooper is going there and and there's a lot of people that are angry about it to the point where they don't even want to play them they don't want to put in the effort we aren't going to play them because they're doing these things that we don't agree with. And what, like, that's not, you want to get better. You go play against better players. Right. You go, go after them, right. go beat them. Right. I was always the guy that loved being on the team that wasn't supposed to win. Oh, really? Really? Watch. 
Right. Watch me work. Like, and that, and that's that's that dog. But work though. The work. Honestly, the way that I look at it too is it's a double-edged sword with the with the coaches and the players and the relationship. Yeah. Now, how I believe it is my duty and my due diligence to build that relationship because once I've built that relationship, now I can talk to you and understand you in a way that I may hurt your feeling, but you know where it's coming from because I have to be honest with you. With my job, it's not an instant gratification job. And I try to explain this to people. There are some kids that I've invested in five years of my time to get to the end of this road and then decide that maybe basketball's not for them. And that hurts a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's not about me and what I want for them, it's what they want. And it's changed how I train and how I look at things a lot because my job, yes, I want to make great basketball players and that's what I feel like I can do. But if I only make you good at basketball, I failed you. My job is to, one, impact you and show you through my life experiences and tell you and be this honest with you that this is what you can become through this game. And I need to help you become a better person than a better basketball player. If I only made you good at basketball, I failed you. You need to be a good person with high work ethic, high character, treat people good, and people will be good to you. Have beliefs. You may not believe the same thing that I believe. You don't come from the same thing that I come from. But I can share with you my experiences, and sometimes it is tough conversations where I have to sit there and be like, hey, I got to be honest with you. This is what I went through in my life. And this is going to, this is, this story that I'm sharing with you is now when you get into this situation, you're going to be able to handle it way better than I did at that time. And you can look at me however you want to based upon what, how I handled it. But I'm telling you what's going to happen if you handle it the way I did and then the way to avoid it and have a way better situation out of it. So Love those it. are things that as a coach or as a trainer or, or a mentor, that, I think, is such a big thing. And that's why there's a level of competition when we talk about the Hawaii thing. Um, compete. I do not want my players or any kid that I train, just, and I train Hawaii kids, but people that go up against them, I do not want them to quit because, oh, they do. The, no, we can't sit there and blame and excuse and give us a built-in excuse. No, compete. Jeff Sainer goes out and competes against whoever. He doesn't care what your name is, who you've been, who you got, what you did to get him. He just competes. Yep. And he's a guy who, you look at his school, not, no, like, respectfully, but people aren't jumping at the bit to go to Meridian High School. They want to play for Coach Sainer, though. But they're not going, they don't want to go to, to the school and participate in, in blue and yellow. You got one jersey. You got two jerseys. You don't have all the nice things. The court is not going to get redone. The school's not getting, like, it's rough around the edges, kids. He does the most with the least. And he turns people where you're like, can you even say that? Like, this kid had this potential all, all along. Like, he brings the best out of kids, and he understands each kid's situation. That's why he is who he is. He doesn't care about the clout. He doesn't care about the fame. He don't care about the attention. He, he just goes, shows up, does his job, and that's it. And he impacts these kids and has a relationship that he's built over the course of time with multiple players, and he's placing multiple players in college, and players that come back from college want to work for him and with him yeah. because they understand the impact and role that he played in their life. And it's not just Coach Sainter. Shout out to Coach Sainter. That's my guy. But there's other coaches that have that same type of feel and impact. Harrington is one of those guys. Whether you like him or not, whatever. That's what he does. He has players coming back. His whole entire team goes and watches Jack Payne, which is one of my guys, goes and watches him play Colorado State at Boise State. The entire team, the, pro the program. That's support, right? So there's and, – and each kid is a different situation. And some coaches are really good at understanding and some aren't. And some – they might understand 10 kids and misunderstand one. 
we're not perfect, mm-hmm. right? And there's kids that, I, that I've trained where I've pushed them so hard to the point where they stopped loving the game. When I first started, that was my, my thing. All I knew was how I had to do it. So I tried to give that back when today's world is not the same. It's not that hard. You don't have to get, like, you have way more resources. You have the videos. You have coaches that are going on Twitter looking for players. Like, you have so many more resources than I did. But the thing that doesn't change is the work. You have to put in the work. You have to, you have, to have a, a, a level of confidence about you that, that nobody can waver. And that's what I try to instill, and that's what I feel like these coaches should instill. When you're telling a guy, hey, I, don't shoot that shot, you got to also understand how that kid took that. Now, you're not telling him not to shoot. You're telling him to get a better shot, but you got to explain that to him and make sure that that's what is going through his head. So now when he gets an open shot, he's not passing it up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And those relationships that you build with these players come over time. It comes with, you know what? I know I have 18 other things to do, but I'm going to go have a team lunch. I'm going to be at every open gym. I'm going to have more open gyms than I had the previous year. I'm not going to have open gyms starting in October. I'm going to have open gyms starting in August or maybe in the summer. I'm going to show up and I'm going to get to know my players from the freshmen all the way up to the seniors because I want to develop my program. Not sit here and say, oh, oh, I'm only caring about the varsity guys, the guys that have been here, or the guys that are stars. No, develop a program because every kid in that program at some point that stays will need you. And it's not just for the game of basketball. What can you teach them? Can you show them to compete hard? Because that's life. When you're trying to get a job, just because you have a good resume doesn't, doesn't mean that you're going to get the job. Are you willing to go at five in the morning? Are you willing to go and do something that you don't want to do? And are you going to do it with a good attitude? There's guys that I know that could start for other teams that could dominate that aren't even seeing the floor. And my advice to them is to stay working, to stay positive and to keep working. Yeah. Anywhere else, they could leave. And they would go and they would dominate somewhere else. But in the current situation they're in, they're not in that role. And if that coach is not taking the time out to get to know that kid, and to push that kid and, bring the, and get the best to come out of that kid, they're leaving that kid short. And that, and that to me is, is as our role as coaches, trainers, um, mentors, is to not only better them in whatever sport or whatever job or field that we're in, in that area, but overall, well-round them in life. I want to teach you how to work hard. That's why the workouts are hard. I could easily go and be the cool guy to sit back, kick my shoes up, be your buddy-buddy and kiss your butt and be the yes man. I'm not him. I'm not him. I'm coming with honesty. I'm coming with what you need to do. If this is your goal, I have to tell you the truth. And I can't be with all the parents and saying, I love you. How great you are, baby. You just, no, 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 no. That's not going to get you nowhere in life. There's not all the yes men, all them people going to lead you down the wrong way. I'm not trying to have you go a long way to go the wrong way. Most, not most, a lot of people want that. A lot of parents want that. Just you tell them what they want to hear. Okay, yeah. Youth sports is a billion-dollar industry. There's a lot of scammers out there. I mean, that's that's life. That's just life. That's that's every every business, every part of life. There's people who are frauds and whatnot. I I want to I want to end it with this. Uh, I really liked what you said about how you're going to be honest with people. You're going to share people about uh, your life experiences, and that's as a mentor. That's what we're called to do. My life experience. I I mean, I, I've got, my parents went through a divorce. My wife and I lost a child, right? Uh, those things that we have gone through, uh, I believe that God uses everything for good if you allow him to. If right. you have faith in that, if you have faith in him and, and how he works. And, and that's kind of what you're saying is that you are taking your life experiences, everything you've learned, 
and you're taking the positives and you're imparting them into these kids and you're taking the negatives and you're warning these kids. Right. Which, this, which is our job and your passion and your, your ability to be like, I'm not gonna be a yes man, I'm gonna tell you exactly how it is, like love it, like it, hate it, whatever. That's what you need and that's my job to put you in the best position moving forward. And I wanna segue that and I wanna finish up with anybody out there that hears this podcast and is deciding or maybe understanding that if you want to be a hooper, things need to change. Yeah. There need, and, and life really is about who you surround yourself with consistently. Yep. And so we have a guy here, out here in Idaho, who has been there, done that, understands it, wants the best for your kids. You can hear his heart. You can hear what he's saying. Um, he's, he's walking you through his workouts. Everything that, that your kid needs to, to be a truly a college basketball player. If that's what you want. If that's what you want. And it's okay if you don't. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But I think you've put it on a silver platter for everybody here and you've shared and I appreciate you sharing your heart because you have, have shown everybody what it takes if you really want to be that guy. And if you don't, stop complaining about it. Right. Tell your parents to hush, hush in the crowd. I can't go to games. I can't go to my, my third grade daughter's games without standing in a corner and filming. That's, that's one of the reasons I'm still, I'm still doing some of the media stuff at games because it takes me away from all the garbage around me in the crowd. And, oh, it's the ref's fault. It's the coach's fault. It's the, that, it's the guy that's scoring all the points' fault. It, I'm just like, I'm done with all that. Like, like I can't. That, right. like, that's so negative. Like, there is a way it needs to look, and there's a way that it, it is for most kids. And if you're not doing what Coach Key has preached today, you need to reevaluate what's important to you and how much you really want to do. Are you doing it because your parents are telling you to do it? Are you doing it because your friends are doing it? Are you doing it just to do it? Because that's okay. Right. Go play the game because you enjoy the game. But if you, wanna, if you want this to be something you can continue to do down the road and in the future, uh, you know, once you get to the college game, it's a job. It's right. no longer, let's go play with our friends after school for a little right. bit and have fun for an hour and a half. It's three-hour practices. You know, you're, you're 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. and then you're 3 to 6 and then you're back shooting 8 to 10. Right. And you better be producing because you're trying to keep that coach's job. So that coaching, it's, it's, for coaches, it's about how can I keep my job. Right. And your job is to help them keep their job. So you, you start getting loosey-goosey and you're not putting in the work and you aren't, if you aren't ready for that, then, then be honest with yourself. Be honest you're, with your parents. You're replaceable. You're, oh. You're replaceable. And the thing is, as soon as you go to college, as soon as you sign a scholarship, they are recruiting to replace you that moment. Yeah. And, and you can take it how you want, but that's how it is. And their, their livelihood and how they provide for their family is based upon you being who you say that you are. And obviously, hopefully, they evaluate you and recruit you enough to get exactly what you say that you are. But a lot of talking. My mom told me when I was young, she said, e, at some point, the talking has to stop and the walking has to begin. And that's following through with what your commitment is. If you're staying true to what you said you were going to do long after the feeling of what you said and it has left, that shows that you're committed to it. And I, I want to say this, too. For anybody that tunes in and taps into this and, uh, and, and watches this, and hopefully you can take something from it for the good, um, we are both human beings, and we do this to give back to the kids around this area, um, and maybe more eventually if this you know, ends up blowing up the way that it could. Um, you don't have to agree with everything that we say, and, and that's 100% fine. We have no hate in our heart for you, but if you don't agree with what we say or you don't like what we're saying, you don't like the message that we're trying to give out, 
there is an easy button that says unfollow. You can unfollow, you can unadd, you can uh, block. Whatever you think that you need to do, if you don't like hearing me talk and ramble, if you think we're full of ourselves and we're sitting there and we, we don't have the resumes or the credentials to speak about what we speak about, you don't have to follow us. I, I have no, my feelings will never be hurt. Um, to be honest with you, I really don't care about opinions. I don't care to be liked. I don't do this to be liked. It's the same way I approach my training. I'm not for everybody. I want to help everybody, but I'm not for everybody. If you truly get to know me and understand me, you'll be a part of me. If you sit there and look on the outside and you, you, you build your own opinion based upon not knowing a thing, that's on you. I have no hate in my heart or any ill will towards anybody. I want to see every single kid that puts on a jersey or plays a sport or goes to class in Idaho be successful, whether that's at a sport or whether that's a business CEO, whatever the case may be. I am for the kids in Idaho and, and for people in general. I want to see people become better because where our country is heading, where everything is going around in this world, all you're seeing is lies. All you're seeing is evil. People are turning on you. They're making it easier to be a hater where we just want to promote something good. So if you don't like us, 100% fine. You don't have to follow us. But we're going to continue to preach our message. We're going to continue to share what we have and our experiences and try to help as many as we can. And with that, go with God. God bless. You want the prayer? I got it. I got it. I got it. No, I appreciate right. you. Here we go. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for just using us as, as your instruments just to kind of share your word through the game of basketball, through something we're passionate about, something that you have just placed on our hearts, just a desire we have to, to want to just impact people positively using the game of basketball and using our life experiences. So help us to continue to just, you know, speak from the heart, be honest, be loving and uh, be the best that we can be. And hopefully that overflows and, and can impact others, uh, like I said, positively. Uh, so we, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen.